Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. The Rock says, what you gonna do when the 24... No, wait, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Hold on, that's not it. Oh, this is it. This is it. To be the man, woo, you gotta beat... No, wait, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, this is it. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Ooh, yeah. What is better than another Friday episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast? Welcome one, welcome all. I am Kyle Krabs, founder and director of NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. And I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Joe... Oh, wait. I'm not joined by Joe Marino today. I am joined by Mr. Ben Solak, one of our national scouts here at NDT Scouting, Ben is sitting in the co-pilot seat today. Uh, I'd like everybody to give him a warm hello. Make sure you tell him how good of a job he does when you reach him on social media after you listen to the show. Ben, welcome to the Week 10 College Football Preview Show. Why don't you tell everybody where they can at you on Twitter, uh, where they can tell you you did such an amazing job filling in, in Joe's seat. You can't set up a brother like that, Kyle, because it's just going to go straight downhill from here, and it's going to be all disappointment after you built me up. But what's up, Draft Dudes? Uh, Benjamin Solak. So add Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K on Twitter. I'm a big Eagles fan. I write for the Eagles, and then I'm with NDT Scouting as well. So if you like college football, Eagles, anything like that, I'm always there. And I, like always, I like to tote myself as a nice dude on uh, on social media. I don't, I don't really think I, I pick on people as much as some other hosts of the Draft Dudes podcast Hello. may. Yeah, and so you know, if you're if you're fearful of your potentially poor takes, don't worry. It's it's a safe place over at Benjamin Solak. So there you go. Well, I mean, I just 
here's the thing. Like, I like, I enjoy interacting with people on social media, and I like answering people's questions and helping people and, you know, engaging in conversation and, and, like, learning things from people, too. But when you come at me with aggression, like, I don't, I don't do well with that. Mm-hmm. So, no, so I mean, there has to be an amicable level of like, if you disagree, like, hey, why do you feel that way? Not you're an effing idiot, which no, I, you know, that's the, the automatic go to on social media. Absolutely. And we like, you know, back when I was getting into this game, like we had those good interactions. And it was funny for me because I had a midseason mock drop on NDT scouting. And I had somebody who was very unhappy with my Derwin James evaluation. And then, you know, Kyle, the boss man, director of scouting, came down on them. And I had that moment of like, all right, like Kyle's got my back. What's up? Yeah. So uh, congratulations. You've made it. Now, I do want to I do want to give one tip of the cap to Joe before we move on, Ben, and talk about how many days away from the 2018 NFL draft we are. Uh, we were I was talking with Joe uh, yesterday on Thursday trying to figure out, OK, like what's our recording schedule? How are we going to make our, our schedules fit and record this? And it became apparent that. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get on the same page and record. You could take the Bills playing on Thursday Night Football for that. So, when I said to Joe I was going to have Ben on to replace him on the show, he took very much exception. He had the asterisk and said, you mean fill in. Yeah. Not replace. And I just told him, whatever makes you feel better. So, All right. Joe's well, probably yeah. struggling right now listening to this, knowing that at least for a day, he's been replaced, and I'm going to use the word replaced. If I'm if I'm stepping into the Joe Marino shoes here, then I got to pull out the, the the number for the day, right? Like that's my job. That that is your job, and I, I'm glad that you uh, hashtag do your job. So why don't you tell the folks how many days away from the 2018 NFL draft we are? 173 days, man. That number, like you feel like it goes down slowly, but it's quick. So 173 passing touchdowns, Kyle, would be good enough to put you 60th on the all-time list. There are currently four quarterbacks there. One of them is uh, Charlie Connerly, who played for the New York Giants in the 50s. I don't know anything about him, so that's not fun. Uh, third is Broadway Joe Namath, had one, uh, 173 over his career. Fourth, Norm Van Brocklin, uh, Eagles great Hall of Famer, longtime Ram. But, of course, he led the Eagles to their 1960 uh, league championship. Could have been, would have been, should have been a Super Bowl. But it wasn't. Of course, since then, the Eagles have not yet won one. That's right. But also, uh, current NFL quarterback and MVP candidate Alex Smith has 173 passing touchdowns over his storied career with San Fran and with KC. So that's your number for the day. How much sarcasm is in the word storied? storied <laughs> career for Alex Smith. A ton of sarcasm. Uh, whole... You know what? He does deserve credit, though, for no longer being a, a check-down Charlie. While it's true, it's not like, you know, like there's this narrative like, oh, Alex Smith is such a better deep passer. Alex Smith is finally a league average deep passer. It's such a relative measure. If you're like, oh, Alex is doing a great job throwing the ball down the field. He's doing kind of a decent job. Well, he's just willing to pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, it's, it's in the past he was so... Like anything that was remotely 50-50 or like didn't trust his guys to make plays. And you see this, they've really, it seems like they've lit this fire underneath of him with the competition of, you know, an early, early selection in Patrick Mahomes where they went up and traded up for him. And Alex is like, oh, mm-hmm. you, it's not going to be that easy. Come on. So he's, he's playing, yeah. 
you know, people in those situations, when you introduce some high-level competition, it goes one of two ways. They either rise to the occasion or they fold. And I think Alex deserves, you know, an applause for being able to rise to the occasion here when it would have been very easy for the pressure of knowing that there's this future of the franchise that's you know, going to be behind me and feeling like the coaching staff's looking over your shoulder and, and just waiting for the excuse to make the move. And Alex has played great this year. And my other question in regards to this 173 touchdown group, is there a more overrated quarterback in NFL history than Joe Namath? Absolutely not, no. I mean, even while I was writing it down, I was like, man, I'm upset that I'm even putting his name as a recognizable name because it's because he made one bold prediction that now today, with the way that NFL players treat games in the media, that would be nothing. Like a, a quarterback saying, hey, we're underdogs coming into this game, but we're going to win. Like, we, we wouldn't even give that significant lip service now. But yeah, Broadway Joe was a guy. He was a dude who played quarterback. But, you know, he's known for that reason, and so he gets on the list. So, uh, Joe Namath, hat tip for being a dude, but uh, True. You know, we, we are not going to sit here and say that you are the all-timer, like some, some Jets may, fans may, may like to think you are. Now, Ben, uh, do me a favor. I don't know if you have a drink. If you do, I need you to hold it up. If you don't, I need you to pretend that you do. We're going to pour one out for Deshaun Watson and Zay Jones. Because both of these guys on Thursday, it was announced that uh, uh, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in a non-contact injury at freaking practice, which is Ugh. just not fair. On like a toss or like an option play it or something. It was either, I, I've, I read toss, zone read, and option play. So, oh my gosh. Regardless, it's such an elementary thing. He's done, probably done a million times, regardless of what it was. And um, lost for the year in what would have been uh, the most prolific rookie passing season in NFL history. Uh, yeah, four hundred yards and four touchdowns against the Seahawks. And he went he went after Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman too. Now they they oh, yeah. they each got theirs where you know that he did throw three picks in the game, one of which was with less than 30 seconds left, just trying to get him down the field, and they didn't. They were really pressed against the clock. So you can't take a sack. You really can't throw the ball away. So I'm not going to hold that one against him. But you know, he went after Sherman, and um, I think he was on pace for like 44 touchdown passes. Uh, just a, an absolute shame because he was so much fun for September and October. Just. And and he's already in the record book as far as oh, most touchdown passes in seven games and uh, four four hundred yards and four pass touchdowns as a rookie and like the, all this stuff's never been done before. So have to feel for yeah. Deshaun. He's got he's got the fifth most passing touchdowns in Houston Texans history already. In what seven games? Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. Six and, and a half. And he's. Ice. I mean, you're talking about Sherman and, and Thomas. Like, I wasn't the you know the most bullish on Watson as far as a draft evaluation. He barely cracked my top 50. He was my quarterback three. But throughout the entire process, it was, man, if there's one guy who can just outplay where I have him, just please let it be Deshaun Watson. I'll never forget. He throws that touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro. 
you know, goes and congratulates him and then just walks off the field. Nothing. He's just like a, a consummate professional, such a cold-blooded killer. Just you love the way he plays. You know, first game check goes to to people in Houston after, you know, the, the natural disasters. They're like, what a guy. So you know, all the best thoughts go out to him with, with, with recovering there. Such a dang shame to see what, like you said, such a prolific rookie season cut to an end. Sure. And then on the other hand, like Zay, Zay had a really rough start to the year. Um had a lot of drops early on, and it seemed like the past two weeks he was coming alive. We don't know what the significance of this injury is as far as nothing's been announced as of been as when you and I are sitting down to record today's show. But um, that's an ugly injury. You know, that, mm. that knee hyperextension was very notable. Um, he whipped up Buster Scrine in coverage, and it looked like Scrine kicked him and tripped him. So that, that kind of irritates me to see oh, it's such an easily avoidable thing. But, you know, they go to the sideline view of that play, and you can see Scrime is shook. And that left leg goes out there and kicks Zay in the leg, makes him lose his balance. He tries to catch himself. Ugly-looking knee injury. So, you know, hopefully it's a very scary, much-ado-about-nothing for Zay. But, um... It, it unfortunately looks like that has the potential to be another serious injury after Zay was coming on for two weeks. So best wishes yeah. to Zay Jones as well. He had that first NFL touchdown in this game. Did you see the route he put on for that touchdown? He, I saw the route, and I also saw the touchdown celebration, which was just as sublime yeah. as the route itself. Maybe I, even more so. I am There's nothing better. here for a force choke touchdown celebration uh, in honor of Star Wars episode what are we at eight coming yep. out here in just a little bit two months a month something like that yeah Not i mean they enough. released a, a new Not trailer soon. so yeah, yeah it's coming down the TV mountain spot yeah two guys who i think i'm gonna end up higher on than the consensus and two guys who i think really have a chance to like step forward in their positional groups i'm talking auburn cornerback carlton davis and then texas a&m wide receiver Kirk. Uh, Carl- was a guy, you know, I had to scout Auburn against Mississippi State uh, a couple weeks back, and, and Carlton Davis put on probably the best performance I've seen to date uh, as far as the 2018 prospects. It's, it's press tech, technician. It's just a clinic. You, it's the teaching tape that you put on. He's got, you know, excellent length and really just illustrates how you, you win in press coverage from the ground up, feet first, then the hips, and then you maximize your length with the hands after as the route begins to progress really just technically sound stuff for a guy who, who, who's in college and then when it came to addressing the catch point you know Carlton Davis has that ideal alpha corner mentality where I'm going to play the ball in front of the wide receiver behind the wide receiver through the wide receiver I don't care balls arriving I'm, I'm attacking the catch point right and again he's got that length to really maximize that so I was really really excited about what I saw from Carlton Davis now like all long corners it's a question about you know does he have the quick in space you know can he does he have the agility to really match up with these guys who, who's got that 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 excellent, you know, side to side burst. Who had that ability to really get you moving with with route nuance, and that's Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk is a guy who, you know, you get him out in the open field, he's really just a dangerous athlete. The one question I have with Christian Kirk, which you know, the big question for a lot of these these good athletes who are wide receivers to answer in college is the ability to release from the press. He's not going to see any tougher press coverage all season than he's going to see from Carlton Davis. I can guarantee it. And so Christian Kirk, you know, Texas A&M will move him around, move him, you know, into the slot, get him going into motion to get him free releases. But there will be plays where Kirk has to line up opposite Carlton Davis and get off the ball. 
right? To the extent to which Christian Kirk can win those routes, put out tape where he's beating really good press coverage in college, that'll do wonders for his for his draft stock. Yeah, because that that for me nuance is a question for Kirk for me as far as as you said he's really dynamic, but mm-hmm. is he on the level of a Calvin Ridley as far as a route runner? I don't think so. Not right no. now. So an opportunity against a technically sound guy, yeah, that that's something that is, is going to be one of the great showcases of this week. And Ben, I want to keep my first matchup in the SEC. I want to talk about a matchup from this Alabama LSU game. Uh, these always seem to be slugfests, and I'm interested to see how LSU running back Darius Geis looks when he's has the chance to go head to head with Alabama linebackers Rashawn Evans and Sean Deion Hamilton in the hole. Uh, ben, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. Evans and Hamil- Deion Hamilton are different linebackers for a number of reasons. Um, Deion Hamilton is not as dynamic as Rashawn Evans, and I know that's something that once we get into the draft process, that is going to catch a lot of eyeballs. You know, guys, mm-hmm. Evans' size should not be able to move <laughs> with the fluidity yeah. that he does and the explosiveness that he does. And when he gets it all lined up when his pads and his hips and his feet align with the body of whoever he is attempting to tackle or whoever he's challenging at the line of scrimmage. Oh my, he (laughs) delivers a wallop. Uh, But Sean Dion Hamilton is, I think the better linebacker right now. His ceiling is not as high because Evans's athletic ability gives him unlocks for him a whole different stratosphere of what he can be if he becomes technically proficient and he understands his reads and and you know that all happens very quickly and naturally for him like it does for Deion Hamilton. I thought the Florida State game at the beginning of the season was a great showcase for him in regards to yeah, click and close, mental processing, uh trusting his keys and letting that take him to the football kind of understandings, one of the guys in the middle, you know, whether you're cross-keying a back in the backfield or you're, you're keying on a guard in front of your face. You know, there are teams that will you know, have false pulls to influence the linebackers on the second level and some teams that run some misdirection in the backfield kind of key on that kind of stuff as well. But Deion Hamilton's a heady guy, and he's thick, he's built well, he's the... Uh, I believe he's the second leading tackler on this Alabama defense behind Ronnie Harrison, the safety. Uh, He's got 37 tackles, five and a half for loss, two and a half sacks. Uh, Rashawn Evans has three sacks and six tackles for loss. So uh, these guys are uh, among the team leaders in tackles for loss. So how will Darius guys who finally put together a game like we were expecting to see from him this year against Mississippi, who, uh, I don't know who uh, who LSU's running back is going to be next year, but you can automatically pencil him in for 200 yards against Ole Miss. It seems like that's that's yeah. that's the trend <laughs> when these teams play. Is they've got a, LSU's got a back that just blows up. You know, Geis against Ole Miss had 22 carries for 276 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had not rushed for a th- 100 yards since September 9th against Chattanooga. Uh, he's been kind of banged up. He didn't play against Troy. Uh, They had a tough assignment against Florida. He couldn't average more than three yards a carry in that game. And again, you know, as somebody who watches Ohio State just demolish the Penn State offensive line and hit Saquon Barkley at the mesh point every time he has it, I'm not going to knock 
guys for yards per carry in a tough matchup like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to see guys in this matchup even if he struggles, the offensive line struggles to keep him clean, I want to see him take opportunities to make those two miss because those two guys are the premier guys in the box for Alabama this year. You know, if, if Ronnie Harrison's buzzing down in the box, yeah, he's, he's going to be an influence in that game as well. But these two middle or these two inside linebackers, can Geis shake these guys in the alley? If he gets them head up on the second level, can he make them miss? What does his acceleration look like? If Rashawn Evans has an angle on him, can Geis outrun that angle and get to the corner? You know, these kinds of things are the things that I, I just really want to see where these two uh, different sects of prospects, how they align with one another because we have our opinions on Alabama linebackers, and we have our opinions on guys. Well, now's the time to put these two guys together on the field for the last time and see you know, who can make the most happen. So that that has some riding on it. And for guys, it's a big chance to really show that he's back to 100%. Hey you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200 square foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach. And I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID 399801. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Absolutely. And I love, you know, the point you make about trusting a linebacker, trusting his eyes, because you got to remember, you know, LSU running now Matt Canada's system and Matt Canada as an offensive coordinator will give you four guys in 12 different types of motion with three different pre-snaps look to run inside zone, right? Like he'll give you all the window dressing in the world and then some. And so you learn a lot about a linebacker's head when he faces a Matt Canada sort of offense. I'm going to take us out west to a little Pac-12 before dark. You know, Pac-12 getting a, a more of a, a early slot this uh, this weekend. I've got Stanford against uh, Washington State. I know you like Jamal Morrow, that running back, yeah? Yeah, he's a fun player. He's a um, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He's a fun runner, mm. but he's better as a receiver. He's got really nice hands and mm. a, a, a good nose for making stuff happen out of the backfield. Yeah, so Washington State got a couple of guys. You know, Hercules Mataf is a guy folks talk about. Luke Falk, debatable kind of where he is. But they've got a guard. Yeah, they got a guard by the name of Cody O'Connell. Now, now, brother's playing guard, but he's six foot eight, three hundred and seventy pounds. Right, he's absolutely massive. And there was a significant amount of you know kind of summer preseason talk about this O'Connell kid with good reason when you got a frame like that. But when when I turned to the tape, I really I was left wanting more from O'Connell. You know, he seems to really benefit from the fact that the ball comes out 
often very, very quickly in that system. So he doesn't really have to sustain against a pass rush. And then because he has this girth, because he has this wingspan, it's just very difficult to, to rush around him and it's tough to rush through him. He's just kind of a roadblock in the way. I didn't see nearly, you know, the, the, the use of hands that I'd like to see from an interior line prospect or the ability to get off the ball in the running game. I found him a little bit sluggish. And then, well, I mean, 6'8", that's a lot of fun, but you immediately lose natural leverage right away. You're giving up your chest quite easily when you're 6'8". So O'Connell's a guy that I really want to see more of, and he's got a stout test against Stanford. Harrison Phillips is a defensive tackle for the Cardinal where my first watching of him, I got I was concerned. I didn't really see what folks were talking about. And then I re- started to realize Harrison Phillips plays a little bit out of position for Stanford. They like to use him as a zero tech. They like to use him as a two gapper, as a true nose tackle. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that in the NFL. He lacks the sand in his pants, really. He doesn't have that functional power. But you watch when 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 Harrison Phillips gets a gets a two way go where he can choose a gap that he wants to take at the snap, or when he determines a gap pre snap, or he's slanting when he chooses to penetrate either schematically or because that's what he's allowed to do within the framework. Now, he's dangerous. And against Oregon State, my most recent watching of him, he you know, he should send condolences to the families of those interior offensive linemen. He lived in the backfield. Right now, Now Phillips has a little bit of a problem where he can penetrate, but he, str- he struggles to finish. And, and the, the hands don't fit perfectly, and he doesn't have great upper body power, and so he can't really rush through. And then he, he kind of lacks that bend also to, to, to corner and to start really generating pressure. It's often that he can just kind of get washed out. You know, the 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 running the quarterback can just kind of reset in the pocket and Phillips is already behind the peak and there's not much of a rush there. So I'm looking for him to be able to finish some more of his uh, his pass rushes, but against a guy like O'Connell, a huge huge player, right? This is a tough test for Phillips, but I think he's going to give problems to O'Connell and you might see O'Connell's draft stock start to fall a little bit more after this game. So you're telling me Phillips is the Jordan Willis of interior defensive linemen. A little bit, yeah. I just saw so many rushes. I said, all right, now get a foot in the ground and just turn on him and get there. And he couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up about when he's allowed to penetrate. That's something that um, I, I think is very gray for a lot of people, for both defensive linemen and linebackers in general, where uh, sometimes you have flat-footed reads. You know, sometimes as a defensive lineman, you've got a, a two-gap where you're supposed to stack, extend, mm-hmm. hold the point of attack. And from a casual viewer's perspective, you see, you know, the hole develops, and you you say instantaneously, go, get in that gap, get over there. But depending on the style of defense that you play, if you have two-gapping defensive linemen, they have to establish control of the line of scrimmage and then react to the, the find the football and react to the ball. You can't instantaneously jump down into a gap because if everybody does that, now you've compromised your ability to leverage at the point of attack and at the line of scrimmage, and odds are they're going to ride you out and the back's going to cut off you and you're going to have a big game. And uh, you know, stylistically, that can be frustrating to watch because it feels like it's... You see it, you can see, well, from a, a bird's eye view, you can see the play develop and it should be elementary in your mind. But keep that in mind, you know, in, mm-hmm. in case, you know, Phillips doesn't have a lot of opportunities and he's quote unquote let off the leash. I know there's some linebackers, you know, I re- reference linebackers and flat footed reads that I love linebackers that they see the guard block down and they just go. No questions asked, they go. It's a one gap responsibility. But if you've got two gapping defensive linemen and your linebacker shoots forward into a gap, 
The defensive lineman doesn't know where he's going. So if the defensive lineman sees, oh, the back's going into this area, general vicinity, and he also goes in that direction, all the back has to do is one basic cut to either side, whatever side you vacated, and now he's got a big gain. So just, just think about, see the big picture in the front seven, because it can be very easy to go get it. But it's not always that easy. And speaking of front sevens, how about this Ohio State front seven, Ben? Whew! There's Sam Hubbard, redshirt junior. Jalen Holmes, senior. Good. Draymond Jones, redshirt sophomore. Really good. Tracy Sprinkle, redshirt senior. Tyquan huh? Lewis, redshirt senior. Nick good. Bosa, sophomore. Mother of God. <laughs> Jerome so Baker, good. junior. Chris Go Worley, redshirt senior. Dante Booker, redshirt junior. The entire front seven and half the backups are NFL players. It's so unfair, man. It's that that game was absurd. Yeah, I mean, McSorley gets the snap. It is instantaneously running for his life in the second half of that game. Uh, people wondering, oh, man, Barkley had the, the big run, and I th- think he had 21 carries for... 20 yards the rest of the way. What happened to Saquon Barkley? He's, he's not that good. Um, yeah, when you got three bodies at your feet as you're receiving the football at the mesh point, uh, there's not, I don't care who you are. It, it, you can't do anything in those situations. And and that second half of that Penn State game was as dominating of a performance from a defensive front seven as I've, I've seen this year. It yeah. was unbelievable. So now, you take that dominating performance, and we have Saquon Barkley last week who had a big gainer and otherwise struggled, and now we bring in a lesser back, but it's a back that I I think this test will be big for, and that's Akram Wadley from Iowa. Uh, Looking at Wadley's production to date, he's played five less games than last year. He has seven less carries than what he had in all of last year. Wow. Uh, 168 carries in 13 games in 2016. 161 carries this year, so far through eight games. His yards per carry is cut by almost two and a half yards per carry. He was at 6.4 yards per carry in 2016. This year it's down to four on the dot. So Wadley in 2016 was really notable when I was out there for that game against Michigan. They won that football game at the last minute. Wadley was the offense. He had 170 yards of total offense on 28 carries against Michigan in that upset win late in the year. Uh, He does really well when he's afforded the opportunity to make a big lateral cut. He's not necessarily loose in the hips, but he can vacate areas with a really springy jump cut. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe how he can mm-hmm. make somebody miss either pressing the line of scrimmage or when he gets up into the hole. Um, so Wadley now against an Ohio State team that has team speed out the wazoo. <laughs> it's kind of kind of the same thing that I'm interested in seeing from Geis against Alabama is can you make the first guy miss? I'm not going to ask you to make all 11 guys miss, but can you consistently make the first guy miss on a front seven that literally every single player is an NFL prospect? And if I can see that from Wadley, even if he finishes this game with two yards of carry, 
if he makes the first guy miss every single time, I'm not going to beat him up over it. But if he looks lethargic, if he doesn't have that same spring in his step that I'm accustomed to seeing, if he can't create at all, can't create any missed tackles at all, then yeah, then I'm I'm really going to have to go back and look at uh, North Texas and Penn State and, and Northwestern and, and Minnesota, all these games you know, under 80 yards rushing in each of these games and see, okay, where's the disconnect? And then go back and watch 2016 again. Now, he, he averaged 5.2 yards carry against Florida in the bowl game. He averaged uh, 5 yards carry against Michigan. So the, these are really high-profile teams that you know, he produced very well against last year. And now I need to see against a high-profile defense this year, you still got the ability to make a guy miss. No, absolutely. And you know that Iowa team and that offense especially in general has taken a little bit of a step back of course with the loss of fantastic back cj bethard that's a big part of it um but you wonder yeah (laughs) you know that ohio state's front seven will really be able to key on wadley the play calling got a little bit predictable there for psu at the end especially as they were trying to run out the clock but you don't have any sort of Mike Kosicki threats on on Iowa. You don't have any Juwan Johnson threats. You don't even have the Trace McSorley running the ball threat. You know, it's 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 wildly robust. And so, you know, he's that's a tough sled. And he's if Ohio State continues to play the way they did against the Nittany Lions. Uh, I'm bringing it back to uh, LSU. There's another matchup, and then it's a lot of fun. Flipping the script, though, we've got uh, – Alabama offense with Calvin Ridley, wide receiver. And then these LSU corners who, you know, plainly I did not hear much about these guys whatsoever coming into the year. Obviously, LSU lost a couple of guys in the 2017 draft with Jamal Adams and with Tredavious White, who both been acquitting themselves very well. Heather playing tonight on Thursday Night Football. But Kevin Tolliver II and Dante Johnson are these two corners here for LSU who really have come on as of late as LSU started to play a little bit better they had a, a rocky start to the year but you know LSU arguably DBU has has always produced good corners like this and we've got Kevin Tolliver is a, is a kind of a size athleticism sort of a guy he's a lot more raw than I think you see from Dante on tape but you know he's still playing well and he can bully some some smaller wide receivers easily John, uh, Dante's the one that really intrigues me he's got some he's got speed to burn he can carry you down the field real easy which will be very helpful against Calvin Ridley and then technically he looks really sound I like the foot quickness I like the hip fluidity I like what I'm seeing from him as far as the way that he plays wide receivers and the way that he gets his his frame into the cylinder of the wide receiver the way that he acquits himself at the catch point he's the one that i've got my eyes on closely now both of them are juniors and there's there's a feeling around the campus in baton rouge that if one leaves both are leaving and, and ed orgeron only in a press conference where he said that they were kind of preparing to bring in two corners in this next upcoming class kind of hinting at maybe these two guys are feeling like they're going to enter the nfl draft together as juniors and so i really think it's time to start giving them a, a longer and a more serious look and and against whom is it better to do than calvin ridley right we talked about him a little bit when i brought up christian kirk the nuance on calvin ridley just the mature play of calvin ridley you know really modeling what they could see from an nfl receiver in the way of of understanding zone spacing understanding how to create a throwing window for your quarterback and then the ability to adjust to a football i mean calvin ridley has saved the bacon of jalen hurts more times than i can count on 10 hands it's frustrating you know the way that ridley's yak opportunities are so often limited by inaccurate throws right he's so often open and and hurts feels like he can't reach him or doesn't trust himself to take the shot 
really interesting to see. You know, I think that LSU is going to struggle to stop that that rushing attack of Bama, certainly. But let's say they do, and now you're putting more of a burden on Alabama and on Jake. You're going to be at a place where Hurts is going to struggle against these these corners. They're they're uh, you know they've got that uh, that nature to them too. They've got that that alpha mentality. They like to talk. They like to chirp, and they uh, they play with a lot of confidence there too. The Tigers, and so you get the sense that that Hurts could really have some tough sledding, and Calvin Ridley could as well. And for Calvin Ridley, it, nobody stopped him. You know, plainly, like you know, he's he's had some struggles against some bigger, more physical corners. But fact of the matter is, eventually he starts getting open on you. He's just he's just too talented. Whether or not he gets hit with the football is a different matter entirely. But nobody stopped him yet. So this is a matchup I'm really looking forward to as far as getting introduced to these corners, Tolliver and Dante here from LSU. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think you could probably look at any two guys across the line of scrimmage from one another in that game and. There's going to be some some NFL implications in those regards. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Bedlam, Ben. Let's do it. Big 12. We have to give Bedlam some love. Uh, Last week I was in Morgantown for West Virginia versus Oklahoma State, and I had high, high hopes for a thrilling quarterback duel that involved both of these players, Mason Rudolph and and, uh, Will Greer, playing well. And uh, I actually tweeted out a picture from the press box of the fly that was smushed against the glass overlooking the field. And it was captioned, here lies my expectations for a quality quarterback duel between Rudolph and Greer. That game was sloppy. Oklahoma State cannot afford to play sloppy against Oklahoma. Now... I think the dynamics of this game overall get very interesting because the Oklahoma defense is not playing good football. Mm-hmm. But if you had to ask me, is Oklahoma going to stop Mason Rudolph and James Washington, or is Oklahoma State going to stop Baker Mayfield? I would bet probably eight times out of ten that Oklahoma stops Mason Rudolph before Oklahoma State stops Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to turn this into a quarterback discussion because everybody loves quarterbacks and everybody loves Baker Mayfield. And if you don't love Baker Mayfield, I need you to take a step back and reassess what you're doing with your life. Leave. Because he's tremendous. Oh, dude. uh, You know, I've raved about Baker. Ben, I want to to give you the floor for just – I'll give you 60 seconds. Just kind of let everybody know where you stand with Baker, what you've seen from Baker, what you've – what games you may have caught from Baker this year, and just lay it out for everybody because everybody knows kind of where I stand as far as listeners for draft dudes. To date, Baker Mayfield has uh, told Baylor to call him daddy. He has handed out Halloween candy to referees at games. He has worn the Texas Tech shirt that was made for him. And did you see the clip where he was asked in a press conference? They were talking about this game. And, and, a, and a reporter mentioned that Oklahoma was coming in as the underdog on the line because it's in Oklahoma State, right? Did you see this clip? No, I did not see this. Game. Oh my goodness, Kyle, you'll love it. He makes he smirks. Like he, like he repeats like underdog, 
And they're like, yeah, like, what, how do you feel about that? And he just makes this face that's, that you can just tell in his head. He's, like, saying so many words he's not allowed to say in press conferences. It's fantastic. I love his nature, right? I love the way that he competes. Baker is the last senior quarterback, because I didn't know he was going to do this, is the last senior quarterback. I haven't really gotten deep into charting yet. From what I've seen, from what, how he's produced, I'm sure that my, my, my charts are going to like him. I know they don't like Rudolph. I know that when Rudolph move, moves past his first read, the numbers are ugly. I know that when Rudolph's outside of his pocket, the numbers are ugly and so I, I I have a big big love in my heart for the way Baker Mayfield is just as a player and you know coming into a game called Bedlam against Oklahoma State with Oklahoma kind of rejuvenated in potential playoff opportunities here with the Big 12 opening up you know Baker's gonna come and win the football game I mean you talked about the way that he he played against Kansas State after he couldn't even throw on Friday this is the sort of environment where you know you know Deshaun Watson against Seattle you just know he's gonna step up Mayfield against the the Pokes I just you just know he's gonna step up yeah and uh, I, I think the other uh, Sooner that's going to have a big game is, I think they call him Oboe. Is that the yeah, nickname? Oban- I know, Obaniah, yeah. I know, I know how to say his name, but I love the nickname because it's so much easier to call him Oboe. Oboe. That just rolls. Um, Oboe, I watched, if you're not familiar, I'm talking about Agbanyo Okoronku, um, for those listening that, that may not affectionately know Oboe the way that, that I do as somebody who's watched a lot of Oklahoma this year. Um, he's a twitchy, shorter, uh, speed style, speed to power conversion pass rusher. He wears number 31. Um, you can find him on the edge. You can find him probably in Mason Rudolph's face quite a bit in this game. Uh, the Texas game was like a showcase game for Oboe because uh, he was banged up, but he didn't miss a snap. You know, when it was, you know, you could see he he was out of gas, but he stayed out there. And every time it was a critical down and distance in the, the second half of that football game, he turned it on and he was in the face of Erringer and uh, just consistently disrupting plays. And he didn't finish a couple of them, but he forced the quarterback off his spot and, I think in a a big profile game like this, uh, that was the one thing going into the West Virginia game that it's like I I don't see how West Virginia is going to make Mason uncomfortable unless they bring a lot of extra pressure. With a guy like Oboe, you don't need to bring extra pressure. You know, you can get a little bit more organic pressure and and really force Mason to speed up his clock. And I think that's going to be a really big key to this football game. So look for Oboe on defense, Baker Mayfield on offense. Look for those two guys to rise to the occasion. I'm calling my shot right now, Ben. I want you to do the same. I think Oklahoma wins Bedlam. Oh, most definitely. I think Oklahoma wins it. I, I, again, I, I'm not going to be the guy who bets against Baker Mayfield. That can be somebody else who does that nonsense. My X factor for the game, though, is the Oklahoma statewide receiver opposite James Washington. Marcel Aitman is a guy I'm really, really intrigued by in the limited viewings of him I've seen. I think if we're talking, you know, like superlatives for the class and you go, you know, uh, catch radius, jump ball sort of a guy, Mike Kosicki tied up for Penn State is your number one. But right there, step down, you know, in that Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, that Stanford wide receiver, Arcago Whiteside, in that tier, you got to put Marcel Aitman. He's 6'3", he's 215. He can make ridiculous catches on the sideline, in the air, addresses the ball at its highest point. This is a guy who's a matchup problem. Like you said, Oklahoma's not playing well. James Washington, 
almost always on. Aitman, a little bit more high variance. So if he plays well and you've got to deal with country, it's going to be a long night for the Sooners. And if this becomes a true shootout, I think that's Oklahoma State's best chance to win it. I agree. Now, Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot. I need one more name from you. i got three names off the top of my head that are also in that second tier down for catch radius guys. Ooh, all right. Let me think. Let me think. I'm trying to, you know, here and give it a long time running through all my list. I mean, you know, you can put James Washington up there if you want to. Uh, Who else? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the frequency with which he comes down with them is astounding. No, it's very impressive um, for a guy you know what? size. Yeah. I'll give you, he's not in the tier, but I'll give you a, a, a name that I'm recently starting to, you know, get, bear, get bullish on that a lot of folks don't know about. The Golden Knights, Central Florida, 7 and 0. They're playing some good football, and they've got a wide receiver, Traquan Smith. He's only 6'1". He's a little bit north of 200 pounds, but he's averaging somewhere around 19 yards per catch this year, and you can see the way that he he's a ridiculous deep threat, and then he addresses the ball with incredibly strong hands at the catch point, bringing it in through contact. I like the way that he plays. So he's not in that tier, but he's a guy to watch. Respect. How about, uh, how about Simi Cobbs? Oh, I haven't seen Simi Cobbs yet this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Simi. Did you see any of the Ohio State game week one? That week one, no, I was in and out of it. That's oh a, that was a long time goodness. ago, but jeez. He, yeah. he beat the hell out of those Ohio State corners on back shoulder throws and a couple one-handed catches at the sidelines. How about Dallas Goddard? Mm-hmm. That, that's a good one as well. And Alan Lazard was the other one that came to my mind as far as 6'5", 220. Um, you know, the part of that Oklahoma upset for, for Iowa State there. Uh, really using his size on that that tremendous catch there at the end of the football game. So that would be a fun conversation for another day, Ben. I think we may have to throw that on the back burner and and invite you back since you did such a great job, as promised. Aw, Kyle. Replacing Joe Marino today (laughs) on the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, Ben, again, I want you to take an opportunity to remind everybody where they can read your work and where they can reach you on social media, and then we will let everybody get out of here and enjoy week 10 of the college football season. At Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Uh, Eagles is at is Bleeding Green Nation, the SB Nation site. Obviously, the, the draft stuff, the important stuff, at NDT Scouting. I've got Texas TCU as well as Georgia, South Carolina this week. I'm really excited about those two games, so it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, guys, make sure you hit up Ben if you are not already following him on Twitter. He's very good at what he does, and as he said... You know, we're very proud to have him here, even if the mock drafter comments uh, beg to differ. We're very, very thankful for Ben and his talents being with NDT Scouting. Uh, I'm Thank Kyle Krabs. You, you can find me on social media. I'm at NDT Scouting. Visit NDTScouting.com or FanRag Sports to catch up with all of my latest and greatest as I go through the 2017 rookie class performances every week. I'm looking at uh, games every week for NDT Scouting. I got a triple header next week for college football games. I got a Thursday night game, a Friday night game, and a Saturday afternoon game. So you guys just have to hit that subscribe button and find out what those games are uh, at the beginning of next week. We will talk to you on Monday. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Ben Solak, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. 
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.